Welcome and thanks again for listening to Coffee and Call Sheets. We just want to apologize in advance for some of the audio issues you may hear in the course of this episode. You might hear some dogs, some planes, and other distracting sounds. Here we go. Alright everybody, we are in, we are in, we are in. We're in, we're in. My name is Wayne Witherspoon. Everybody calls me Spoon. And uh, this is Brian Carlson. Folks call me BC. Today we have uh, Nancy Cheo. Cheo! Nancy Cheo is a costume designer. She doesn't work in wardrobe. She works in costumes. <laughs> and um, we're going to talk to Nancy today. We had a really good talk with her. Yeah, but before we talk to Nancy... I was thinking egos. Yeah, egos. Egos, and egos are big Very big. in the movie business. As many people would expect. <laughs> yes. But it goes beyond the big names, the directors, the actors. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. DPs. Yeah, that's to be expected to a certain degree. Yes. But, you know, you get egos everywhere. We all we all have egos, and especially yeah. to be in this business, you got to have a little bit of an ego. I, I I know I have to check my ego at times. You know. Yeah. They, they, oh yeah, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, and it's like part of my ego has a lot to do with doing a good job. I think, yes. I, I I think I sometimes take a uh, an oversized uh, dose of pride in my work that sometimes I get bent out of shape when I feel when I feel underlying feel because it, it, it's really about perception um, I feel that someone may not appreciate the job that I do or or appreciate um, you know my capabilities and what I bring to the table and sometimes I gotta like check myself and say Bri you know shut the fuck up you know that's not what they said that's not what you're hearing and uh, you don't need to puff yourself up <laughs> right no, I, yeah, and I agree with you. It's like, I mean, and egos are different based on the job that you have, mm. right? Because I can remember a show I worked on in uh, St. Louis. Okay. Uh, I was the hot shit PA, so my ego, my head was big. You, <laughs> excuse me, sir, could you hold up the back of my head, please? <laughs> Bobblehead? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a, I'm a hot shot PA, and they're, you know, they fly me around the country and out of the country. Come on now. <laughs> Not many people get to get if that. If you're a PA and you're getting flown around, then you're like, you, yeah, might, you, you, yeah. you might have a reason to think highly of yourself. Exactly. So. But you're still a PA. Yes, you're still a PA. <laughs> and uh, I was key set, and I remember giving the second second such a hard time. And I got fired. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yep, I got fired. <laughs> you go home. Yep. Bye bye. Thanks for coming. <laughs> and my ego, my ego was so big. I can remember uh, John o. Oliver was the key second. The uh, first was H. H. Cooper, and uh, I remember. I can't. I don't remember who our second second was. Good guy, knew his work. But I, you know, I thought, like I said, I thought I was the hot shit. And I remember John o calling me into the office. That's how big my ego was. John will call me in the office and he was like, hey man, 
we're going to bring in another PA. And I'm thinking, shit, yeah, we could use some more help. <laughs> right? I'm thinking, yeah, we could use some more help. He's like, no, we're bringing somebody in to replace you. And I'm like, replace me? Are you kidding? And he was like, no, nah, man. He was like, you know, your ego's been too big. And I'm like, nah, man. You don't know what you, you do. Yeah. You're, You're going to regret this. <laughs> exactly. This show's going to suck when I leave. <laughs> the hell? And I remember uh, going to talk to HH. like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do. And I don't, you know, I don't know why this is... And he just kind of looked at me, and with that look, like, see, this is the reason why you're going home. Right. And uh, funny thing, last year uh, on Creed three, okay, HH was the first. Oh. And uh, I ended up coming in shooting parts where he was doing the training for the big fight. Okay. And I keyed. Right. And uh, I never told H who I was, right? Because I I needed him to have confidence in me and not feel. I mean, and this is how many years later? Oh, this was... God, it's got to be a good 20. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah, quite a while. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause but, but the thing is, is like people's, you know, impressions... Perception, exactly. They, they, they they don't, people don't forget. Yeah, and that first impression wasn't good. Yeah. And so uh, we went through it, and he and I clicked, you know, and he was like, man, you did such a good job. Yeah, man, you know, you can. And first, and then, uh, then uh, our last night of shooting, I was like, you know, I know you, right? He was like... From where? And I, I was like, I know your sister, I know your your ex brother in law, Jono, I know your your sister who he was married to. And he was like, What? And I was like, Yeah. It was like when we were doing uh Soul of the Game, uh Blair Underwood, uh Blair played Jackie and it was about Negro League baseball. Um oh, uh and Satchel Page was played by Delroy Lendo. Okay. And Josh Gibson was played by the guy Michael T. Williamson. Oh, Michael T. Williams. Michael, Michael okay. T. And we were in St. Louis, man. And I had turned down a couple movies to do this. I had turned down Independence Day, and I had turned down The Crow. Don't to do to do to um, do Soul of the Game, Soul of the Game right. right? And I missed going to the Million Man March. Mm. Right? And, and uh, you got fired. And I got fired. <laughs> oh man! Got my ego said I was better than I actually was. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I know it from experience. Right. And from that time on. I started really checking myself. Yeah. You know, not not to ever say I didn't have an ego again. I, I did, and I still do. Right. Um, like you said, I, I take pride in my work. and um, But, you know, like I said, egos, it's, uh, it's not just for the big guys. Yeah. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And if you're yeah. in this business, an ego is good for this business, but you have to check it sometimes. Yeah, and the flip side of that is that you're working with people that sometimes can be difficult because of their mm-hmm. their egos. And it's not necessarily that they are difficult, it's that it is difficult working with people that do have, for lack of a better term, large egos. You right. know, they're, they're, they're heavy business. You know, they're people with Oscars. They are people who basically generate millions of dollars right they are holding the reins of you know some really big projects and it's difficult sometimes to be working alongside those folks when you know you might come from more humble beginnings right um and then you know when you get you get awards you get accolades mm. it's very easy for your head to blow up yeah you know but you have sometimes you got to check you got to check yourself because once again, 
that ego that 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 big head that ego that took you to the top very easily popped i don't know exactly what nancy's experience was like but first of all me and nancy went to the same college um, RISD. RISD. We went to the same college, so we're, we're both alumni of the school, and I don't know exactly what her experience was like. We weren't at the school at the same time. She graduated a few years before I did, but RISD's a, you know, it's been referred to as an elite school. It's, a, it's an art school, and when you get there, especially as a freshman, you know, and I, I've said this to other people and explained it to myself, you know, it's like, you're the best of the best from wherever you came from. Right. And you've been, uh, you know, at 18, 19 years old, you've had wind blown up your ass, you know, <laughs> just enough in, that's, in that's your... That's a new one. I thought it was smoke. <laughs> wind? Okay. Yeah, all right. I, get, I, think that, I, mean, I think that's the expression. You know, I, I've had my, my ego inflated. Oh, yeah. At a very young age. And you get there and then you realize that you're surrounded by a bunch of people that are just as good as you. And you realize, you know, in terms of your talent, in terms of your skill level, it's like you're you're not that special. And no. you have to kind of recalibrate and know and understand how to still push yourself to do a good job. Right. Um, and and strive for excellence without getting caught up in the whole ego right and it's that is so hard that is so hard because yeah like you said you work on these big shows and i worked on big shows and it's like you know people look at your resume they're like oh damn and that's one thing um that i find in this business that you really have to you have to think about what you say before you say it and i you know i'm going to take it just not even this business but in anything that you do mm. It's better to just think about it before you say it because there's so many times you can say something that, well, you'll say something that you can't take back. Right. And that's your ego mm -hmm. yelling and screaming. Yeah. You know, and, and when you can't take it back, it's too late. Yeah. You, you never want to say something that causes you to reflect like, damn, why did I say that? Well, yeah, and especially at, I think in our business where, again, you know, we do work in a somewhat informal environment. And people, they do get too familiar. Yeah. You know, people get too familiar and, and then they say something that, like you said, it, it's hard to take back. Um, Nancy Cheo. Cheo. Has been in the industry for over 20 years. Yeah. Um, and she is a... Costume designer has worked on the award-winning film To Leslie and TV shows such as The Shy and On My Block. And like I said before, Nancy and I uh, both went to the same college, and that's actually how I met her. I was at a, a RISD alumni event, and we we just struck up a conversation and uh, come to find out we both work in the same industry. Nice. Um, so uh, I invited Nancy to come on out and talk to Spoon and I. And uh, here's Nancy Chao. Nancy! I mean, and I don't. I'm not, but we are. We are special. <laughs> because everyone thinks we are outsiders. Everyone thinks exactly. we make a ton of money. And that's they like the mystique of yeah, it. They think it's Ooh, glamorous. Movies. Yeah, and I like to demystify it. Yeah. Like I tell yeah, people. Yeah, I always say 
No. They're glamorous moments. Right, but it's not glamorous when you got to be at work at four in the morning. No, but then there's the magic of watching the sunrise as you're going in the set. Come on, then. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. You, no one else would get that unless you get up for that. Exactly. And you're driving in, in uh, a and you're different like, place. I, I remember the first time I was working and I seen, like, I was on top of a building downtown, and I'd never seen the sunrise from that perspective. And you just see the uh, sky start to change, so it's like dark, and then it's like purple, right. and then you get the reds right. and the blues, and it just, right. you know, and it's just, it, it rises. You're like, damn. Like, how many people right now could even, are even seeing this? Right. Not many. Well, the rest of the crew. <laughs> and they all that's, have, that's they what all we have want. different professions. Exactly, right. Just like, cause, cause Cause you're thinking it's cool and they're thinking, God, God damn, damn it. it. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's fucking six in the morning and we're still out here. Um, Nancy, yes. welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Nancy, you and I went to the same college, different times. We won't um, mention years. No, we won't mention years. Um, but uh, coming from uh, upstate New York, went to college in Rhode Island, Providence, mm -hmm. uh, Rhode Island School of Design. What department were you in? Um, I was in fashion design. Okay. Originally, I graduated in fashion design, was accepted as a painter. Okay. And had a, oh my God, am I going to be able to make a living moment? Same here. And moved over <laughs> to fashion because that was also a love of mine. I had the same experience the freshman year, and uh, I was like, I don't know if I can spend the rest of my life painting and pimping myself out to gallery owners. Um, <laughs> so I went into We're film. We're still selling ourselves. <laughs> We're still selling ourselves. <laughs> I realize it probably wouldn't have made well, any I had, I had difference. Well, I had a child at the point. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. You had a whole different responsibility. <laughs> yeah. So I had to make a decision. So what made you... What What, what was... What was your inspiration? Why, why costume design? Because I know we can't say wardrobe. Co it, it is costumes. It is. They often say wardrobe. Wardrobe is more for fashion or for styling. If you're a stylist, right. or costumes is more toward you know we're creating characters for scripts. I never understood that. And most people don't. Even producers don't. Where it's as a costume designer, it's very frustrating because it's been. Constantly, like no, it's costume design. <laughs> even on, yeah, even on call sheets, guys, it'll say wardrobe. No, right. it's costume. <laughs> I had to Very change. Different. When I was kid, yeah. I had to change that because I had wardrobe and and uh, the costume designer, very cool, came to me and said, "Hey, you know, it's costume." I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really yeah. understand, but I did. But I mean, the respect. It was like, okay. Just it's. We design for character, we design for a script, we design with a vision of a director. You know, we design to live in a space. We, I mean, we showed up today just as we're dressed, but a costume designer would think about, I at least do think about how we all would interact and look, and you have to look like the character, and then also what it looks like visually, almost like a painting in a room, oh. or in a set. Right, right. And, um, so there's a lot of things to consider in costumes versus wardrobe is like, I got dressed this morning. Right. <laughs> it's the best way to look at it. Yeah, right, yeah, right. It's right. the best way to look at it. But yeah, that, I mean, that's the way I try to remember it. It's yeah. like, well, what are we doing? We're all playing make-believe. So it's costumes, right. you know. It's, that's a good way to what remember. Were you gonna say? I was just asking, what, so 
what made you what what, what was costumes why why that the well, I mean, it took me a while to get into film and TV. I mean, I um, you know, graduated in fashion design, then I ended up getting married, totally took a different route, then I started a sportswear company in Boulder, Colorado, which was sports clothing and stuff like that, then had life as life happens and interjects. And I went away, left the business for a couple of years, then came back, and I just called a, a UPM that I knew, or he had called me, and we, he said, look, I got this project in Utah, Park City. You come out here, put yourself up, I'll hire you as a customer. And I go, great. How's the designer feel about it? Great. Just so I did that, and then I was in Park City, Utah for four and a half years, you know, still mountain biking, skiing, doing the things I love, right. but I was also working for projects coming in and they were more movie of the week type stuff but um, it was part of that union and then all of a sudden I did Con Air I was a customer on Con Air Eddie yeah, yeah Eddie Perez was Eddie a, Perez did stuff yeah, on Con yeah, Air yeah we yeah, spoke to I know Eddie, Eddie Perez. Perez oh okay no way yeah. yeah so I was a young customer on on that and the supervisor felt I should get into the union I'm like, sure, like it just happened. Right. I go, great. So he flew me out here. I worked, or I flew myself out here, worked for a month in a costume house, got my union card, which it's much harder than that. For me, it was very simple. They flew me back to Vegas, finished the show, and, and that was my intro into costume. So did you move out to LA after that? No, I stayed in Park City and would come back and forth. I kept a room here and kept my house there. I had sort of a very sweet deal there. It was hard to give up. And then I was traveling more. At that time when I started, you could get a phone call and say, okay, hop a plane and be here as a young customer. Now, because they do more local hires, right. you know, it's not as simple that way. So I decided I'm, it's time to leave Park City. The man whose house I lived in was selling the house. And the place I lived here, which was around Hollywood uh, Lake, up here was a house. I decided just to move here. And that's how I got in here. And that's how I started costuming. And then it became evident, I guess, to everyone else, a couple of producers, and a UPM, another UPM and a producer that I should be costume designing. It okay. was like, wow. you should be designing. And so um, a UPM line producer, I was uh, supervising a film in at Sony. And he said, could you please do this film short for me for free? I'm like, okay, what is it? <laughs> How many days was it? And so I had to do it over the, over the weekend okay. while I was wrapping this $25 million feature. <laughs> oh, wow. And I said, all right, who is it? And he goes, it's David Katzenberg. It's Jeffrey Katzenberg's son. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I went to David and I said, our first interview, excuse me, but you come from one of the richest, most prestigious families in Hollywood and you want me to do this for free? And he said the right thing. He goes, look, my dad made me earn every cent to do this. I don't, can't touch my trust fund yet. He was younger and I said, all right, I'll do this for you. And so then he got me into the guild to do, to do as a designer. Wow. Because then he, that took off. That was a project called um, The Hard Times of R.J. Berger. 
and mm. so he did the calling card the calling card got sold to MTV and then he goes I want Nancy so that got me into the union as a designer and so I just got very lucky right. but that's after three people three producers saying I don't understand why you're not designing anything. how long were you out here in LA at that point um a few years yeah so just you're working years. you're you're I mean you're I could your... probably got in designing sooner than later mm-hmm. so just we're gonna go back so what about who who was the producer UPM that said come on out here that was Lou Wells do you know Lou Wells Lou Wells is um his brother is a huge producer. John? John Wells. Wow, okay. Yeah, so Lou knew me and he said just come out. John wasn't doing that project, mm. he was UPMing it, but yeah. So he just pulled me in. Is there Was there any d- designer that, like was your favorite designer or a designer that really inspired you to, to take the next step? I mean, I've worked for a lot of different designers as well, but it was, um, Van Ramsey. I don't know if you know Van Ramsey. Van Ramsey was, he did mostly movies of the week. He did Comanche Moon. He did a lot of period stuff. You know, so I learned a lot from him. He was sort of a bit of a mentor and he kept pushing me into design. I kept saying, no, I don't need to design yet, you know, whatever. You know, so he was trying to push me as well. Everyone was pushing me. I was just resisting. (laughs) (laughs) You're, 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 you weren't fully in. You just had one foot in. why I wasn't I just you know I saw the pressures designers are under right. and I certainly have them as a designer um, it just I was okay with it for a minute till it wasn't okay anymore obviously when I started designing you know I had a really good rapport with David and Seth Graham Smith was also his partner that it was oh this is really fun oh I can do this yeah it's not just I guess it was part of the concern, and I think for every creative is, is am I going to give up too much to sacrifice creatively for a project that I don't have complete say on? Right. I think that comes out of that art painter mm-hmm. background of me, that I felt that it would sacrifice a piece of my soul, and sometimes I do feel that sacrifice, but I think I'm much happier as a designer than I am as a supervisor yeah do you work on any john wells uh shows i've wanted to but lynn palo's pretty embedded in there yeah Yeah. i think i've worked with lynn with on yeah she's great and uh redbird lane was a pilot that didn't go anywhere yeah how has your job affected home life well it always affects your home life i mean i became a career person and certainly have noticed it more this time because of the strike like what what do I do with my time what am I doing where did my life go you know all these (laughs) existential you know things come up for you like not that I regret anything I've done in my life it's just realize that I need more to my life you know I'm getting to spend more time with my friends I'm drawing more Mm -hmm. going back to my roots I just bought some things to start painting again you know, it's just giving me a different perspective. Not that I want to give up what I did right. or do. It's just how can I fit more into that world of my life? But it's difficult, as you know, because we yeah. work crazy hours. Right, yeah. exactly. And um, we give a lot to a production. 
after Con Air, at some point, you worked on um, The Runaways. Yeah, I... Carol Beadle was the costume designer. She'd never designed anything in her life. I didn't design it. I, I had, I wasn't working, and my friend did the set. Mm. And she called me and said, just do this, it'll be fun. <laughs> was it fun? It was, because oh. I had no responsibility. Yeah. Although, Carol had not designed a show before, and I think, although she's incredibly wildly creative, she's since gotten out of business. She didn't have the best experience with being a designer, but she did an amazing job on that. And that was a great show. And so, it was really fun. You were a set, you were a set I did set. Yeah. But I'd done set, out of all the jobs besides that, I, that was the longest that I, I worked in that position because I loved where the moment the magic happens. It was you and who else on set? Uh, Maria Bradley. She does a lot of stuff. But Marie is very, um, you know, her career is as a set person and she's an incredibly great cool. good set person. So she just talked me into it and said, come, we'll have fun. And it was it, fun. Right, that's how it usually is. Yeah. 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 I mean, those are the good ones when you can have fun. You could walk away, at, I think, at the end and say, like, that was a good time. I enjoyed working yeah. with those folks. Yeah, and Joan Jett was wild, and she was there every day. And awesome. Chris's Stewart was wild in the beginning of her, after her big success somewhere else. So this is a project that, you know, pushed her a little. And Dakota Fanning was just on the verge of becoming a woman. Right. At that right. point in her own life, her mom was still chasing her down on set. So yeah, she, but that was sort of like the first know. time she got to kind of play a real mature. Yeah, and it was, you know, her mom, you know, they, the thing is, you well know, the sets are very respectful of those scenes. Yeah. But because she was a minor, mm. they had to be more respectful right. of this. And they were pretty, you know, there's some racier scenes in there yeah. for her for a young girl and her mom was always there and there was always a guardian there as well watching yeah. the scenes that her teacher it was intense but it, she did a great it worked and Gloria is a very interesting director mm. she's a very visual director and she's worked with David Bowie and she's worked you know she's done mostly commercial video stuff so this was her first film it was cool. a good project it was well that's also part of what a costume designer does is like I love fittings. I love working with in collaborative mode. I mean, I've already had all the conversations with the director. I've read the script. I've gone through the visual. I talked. I nod to my production designer. I old school, you know, always listen to production design colors. Mm. You know, the overall creative flow. And now it's my time with my actor. Yeah. So I take all that in consideration. All of that's here and on a lineup, clothing-wise. So, and I'm in there too. Mm. So now we get to play and figure out who this character is. Do you elicit their opinion? The actor? They will opinion? give their opinion. <laughs> as they should. Right, right, right. It's always they have to wear it. Um, and together, a good actor will work with and listen to a costume designer as well. And, and vice versa, good, a good designer will listen and work with their actor in formulating a character that is important to a story. And it's not always, I mean sometimes it's about a certain actor that needs to shine out, 
but a lot of times you you're in a fabric of a story and a visual story as well that needs to have respect it seems like it's a lot it's not just about for me it's just not about the clothes right it's about a story that needs to be creative and yeah and the character is part of that story and then have their own story that they bring to in the way they show up visually even before they speak they're seen visually right yeah it's the the character's arc and their story right and being able to convey that visually through the progression of of the film right. see seeing them change from one moment, from one scene to the next depending on what they're what they're wearing right but also tells them who they are yeah right you know you can either work for or against meaning um would be a good example of that just you know a man that's trying or a woman that's trying to hide who they are in the story mm. would not dress who they are right right right, right. there may exactly. be hints about who they are right in in the way the clothes are and they're very subtle and sometimes it's flamboyancy and sometimes it's insecurity sometimes it's you know you, you spoke to runaways was a very it was a period piece rock and roll and so it had to convey the time that it lived it but it also contained living people as well yeah so that had not just the story that was written but some people that it had to be true to who the, actually those people are mm -hmm. and it's not always like that and sometimes the designer has to with an actor and a director figure out who this person is because that's really important to clothing as the head of your department how do you approach trying to put together a good team and a good healthy work environment it's it's a challenge sometimes more so now than later where we're seeing an influx i think the whole world is seeing an influx of of a generation that doesn't have a work ethic i think mm. it's because of the computer mm. like they had in the beginning and our jobs are very physical as well yes. as computerized computers there to help but it's a physical job and but usually it starts for me as trying to find the right supervisor who could put together a team with me i mean i hire my assistant usually and my mm -hmm. shoppers but to put together a team that works toward a common vision you know, a good team is like one person is good in this area, may lack something here, and another person is really good in another area. Right. That creates a pie of a hole that is a strong hole. And sometimes you hit it and sometimes you miss it. Mm -hmm. And so you have to learn to navigate that. I know the titles of the, the costume mm -hmm. department, but I don't always know who does what. So, you're the costume designer, you design. Correct. Right? So then, when you say you're assistant, is that like an assistant costume designer? Yeah, an assistant designer kind of oversees and run, you know, makes sure stuff gets done. And so sometimes you have and sometimes you don't, depending right. on the projects. And yeah. then who's who comes after that? Uh, shoppers. Shoppers. Or shopper. Uh -huh. So they're out there shopping that bring you stuff. I, I personally like to shop as well. Hmm. So I'll go out because I like to get in to see what's out there because sometimes I see something that will inspire me mm. yeah then you have you know your supervisor who really runs the cruise and work with a designer to you know working on making sure the stuff gets done in the, in the um, with the tailors and stuff's picked up and coordinating pickups and 
all of that and they run the set and the crews and and they'll hire the rest of the crew. They'll hire a key customer, they'll hire uh, customers, they'll hire set customers which only stay on set. And the, the supervisor is very often, like when we're shooting, the supervisor is very often in the trailer, right? Sort of like in and out, but quite often there. Um, they'll, they'll show up on set. Usually the designer shows to just establish. Yeah. And then is back out. Right. Good supervisor will yeah. show up on set. In the East Coast, it's run differently. The supervisor works out of the trailer. Really? Where, yeah, totally run very different. And the assistant designer will manage the budget with the designer gotcha. in New York. Wow. Here, the supervisors manage the budget and work with producers to make sure we're on track and run, you know, spreadsheets on where the money is, where it's going, which is a very difficult thing to do. As long as I've been in this business, I never really understood the different levels because I, I was like okay costume designer assistant costume designer and then they kind of just take care of everything I didn't know a supervisor was responsible for so much more so now than it ever it's a very difficult job to be a supervisor than it used to be even more so because originally they didn't have to run their own spreadsheets and everything now it's become more of that it, and then pickups and crews and it's a big job. Right, so you really need somebody who knows what they're doing. It helps. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's probably the next, you know, I mean, designers are really creative, but we're also, since I came with the ranks, it's, it's definitely served me to come up during the ranks versus just designing. Yeah. But a supervisor definitely, you know, really helps put all that together and makes it happen. And do you have do you have a supervisor you use all the time or do you have like a I don't I do like the ones that I like and sometimes I'll get them and sometimes I'm not allowed to bring them and so right. I'm set with the supervisors I don't know. I think it's different in the AD department. You know, I don't know. Not all the time. <laughs> I mean, you have to hire locally versus out yeah, there. So That's what happens to us. Yeah, if you have to hire locally and, and this is nothing against the local people, but because if you have to hire locally means that there's not a lot of work maybe there may be not a lot of work going on you know in, in that local in that, in that, in that local, local area area yeah so where they maybe do two or three shows and they're good at what they they've been doing it but when you can hire somebody who has a wealth of experience and just knows and you know, well i think it's also a matter of Knowing and understanding the, the the workflow, like I've heard people say, like New Mexico, like resembles the the way we do it here and they run sets in L.A. Mm -hmm. Atlanta's a little bit different, and but I, you know you kind of touched on it how the difference between the way supervisors work here in L.A. versus the way supervisors in, they, New, York. in New York work in Canada. Yeah, so it's like I don't know if you have that sort of experience when you're in different areas. Yes, I have worked in New York, and I think that. You know, it's the same truth that we have, too. It's like, obviously, when you can work with the same team over and over and over again, it becomes a well-oiled machine. Right. Having to constantly hire different people into a well-oiled machine, it's suddenly not a well-oiled machine. Right. Even with experience. Um, yeah. The best crews, I have to say, come out of L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Only, at least in costumes, because we're you're forced in, in L.A., to work three years before you can move up. 
And, mm. and I came out of local, so I can say this, because right. many people get mad. I came out of a local. I had to start from the bottom up again when I came to L.A. Um, and realized, oh my God, I don't know as much as I thought I knew. Right. You know, it's a difference between going to um, a school that may, may not have the expertise that you're looking for right. versus going to an Ivy League school that may have the expertise in what you're looking for. That's the difference. I'm not saying there are exceptions to the rule because there is that as well. Yes. Yeah. There are, but I think with what's happened in the industry, and we've talked about this before, is where they we've been forced out of that paradigm that was working into a different paradigm and the, the new kids coming in are thrown into jobs they're really not ready for. Right. And producers don't care. They're like, that's who you're hiring. And so it, it gets a little trickier. I'm relatively new in the in the industry in production. You know, I've worked in reality TV in the past, right. but I've been doing production pretty much now for, you know, about 10 years. And now I'm starting to see a younger generation coming in and right. it's it's difficult and I don't see them as that much far behind me. Right. You know, because I just got in the DGA, so I'm like, why is it so hard for me to explain to you how to get with the flow, you know, and, and not push, and like I had a conversation with, with an AD who said to me, look, you can't be tough. You can't talk tough to someone who's not showing up to work on time, <laughs> who's not doing the job or not caring enough to listen to me when I say, this is the way we do it. I'm not using profanity or, you know, or maybe I do use profanity and it's just really not a matter of calling them, a, you know, I'm not trying to insult them, but I'm trying to emphasize right. make a point. when you make a major mistake, you need to get, you, you need to get, get it together. Look, I came up in the fear model in the film industry. I've gotten pulled aside and yelled at for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, learning. Um, not abused, but just gotten talking to and then, you know, and now you can't do that and so there is no, um, I don't know if it serves them is the point. You can't teach anyone good work ethic. Mm. Period. You can't, they either have it or they don't. Right. And then that comes out of a who they are, where they come from. Maybe you can make a difference that wakes them up. Yeah. And if you can't talk to them honestly and with passion and a bit like that, yeah. you know, it may not wake them up because they're just floating through it. Yeah. They're getting paid anyway and they they can always they're go to HR anyway. and right, then you can't exactly. they're, they're okay and blah blah blah. And it's not just our industry because I just had this conversation with my dentist to be perfectly honest. Really? Yeah, he's I go, Are you still teaching? Like I know he's a great teacher and he's a great dentist and he's and he said, I he said, No and I said, Why not? He goes, Because he had a student. He failed. And the student came to him like, why did you fail me? He goes, because you don't study, you don't do the work, you don't do this, and you are wasting my time. Mm. So this kid goes to the school in HR and says, I didn't like the way he talked to me. And then the wow. school asked him, you have to apologize to him. He goes, 
he wasn't prepared. What, I'm not. There's nothing to apologize for. Yeah, I gave him. He the wasn't truth. prepared. Yeah. That is the truth. This is the thing, and it was a waste of my time. More importantly, what I thought when he told me the story it was more. He was waste. The kid was wasting his time. Exactly. He wasn't getting the benefit of a very good teacher, and so that's kind of what's it's happening everywhere. Yeah. And it's an unfortunate thing that it's okay to be tough. Life is tough. Yeah, they're not it's gonna not going to be handed to you all yeah. the time. So at some point, like you said, when you when you do something wrong, it. It's not always going to be, oh, well, we'll do it better the next time. Sometimes you have to get that, hey, you need to get your stuff together. And you need to be talked to in a different way. Right. I can't I, I can't let you go out there and just do anything that you want to do and not have a certain standard. Because I've got a standard. It's the reason why they hired me is because of my standards. Right. So I'm hiring you based on my standards. Not based on your standards, but based on my standards. So I need you to I need you to come up to the plate the same way. Like we were just talking when we were talking to Connie, you know, and we've all been in business where mm-hmm. at some point you could just talk to anybody any way you wanted to, you know, mm. and you just can't do that anymore. Right. the The whole thing, you know, HR is really good, but it's more about protecting production than it is about protecting protecting us. Is the way it's become. Right. And now it's become. Um, you know, it's taken some of the fun out of the industry, I have to say, because you can't make a mistake or say something because right. you don't know how someone's going to say it or take it, right. and you're not sure. And so it sort of pulls back a little bit of the creative jiving that happens in the industry. Right, and right, right. that was one thing that drew me to the industry was like, oh, you're going to pay me. And... I can be cute and have fun at a job. Now it's become a very different environment. And I'm not saying it's not warranted as we've heard the stories. Yes. Yeah, because there certainly is things that do go on in the industry that aren't so cool. But yeah, and those need to be ad- yeah, I think yeah. those need to be addressed and like you were saying it's like if someone's feeling uncomfortable with it they feel as an unwanted uh, you know, they perceive as an unwanted advance or just an inappropriate talk. Right. It's like it may not necessarily need to go up to HR, but it may ne- it may need, need to, to be, be addressed. addressed. Right. You know, and how right. do you have those conversations when to- you're not allowed to? Exactly. We're not allowed to talk about it after, you know, if something comes up. And I think that that is part of a small microcosm of what's happening in our society is right. that we're forgetting, which is part of why you're doing this podcast, is like, how can we just have a conversation? Yeah. yeah. How can we talk? We don't have to agree. We don't have to, or we can agree, or we can see things in each other's perspective in a way that is... Uh, a movement forward not a stoppage and yeah. I think a lot of um, what's happening in the industry is that we're, we're, we're sort of boxing a creative flow that happens naturally mm-hmm. right. and the naturalness of it's being taken away and it's making it very, even more stressful yeah and, and I don't think HR is bad but it's there for really severe cases and we've had those in this industry, obviously mm-hmm. with the Weinstein thing, and it's usually high, you know, power 
taking over lower, not yeah. a department between a department. <laughs> right. It doesn't usually happen like that. Yeah, it happens yeah. much higher than that. Like you said, when you when you bring that back and you make it much more structured and you keep you you know, I'm I'm afraid to say this or I'm afraid to say that, then I think it harms us in the creative way. Right. And there's a saying that I have that creativity can look like chaos and chaos can look like creativity. <laughs> right. But there is an energy that comes with creative and part of that is interacting with people and having fun and 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 you can't always perceive how someone's going to take something because you don't know their background. You right. don't know everything. Right, and right, right. There are times you get tired and Looks, husband and wives argue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't go to HR. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they go to divorce. <laughs> I don't know, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. like that's how you work through things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And we we're not being allowed that fairly, not unfairly. There's a difference. Right, right. And I get it. I came up with, like you said, the hard way where people would just yell and scream at you. They didn't throw things at me. No, I never got... anything crazy like that, but but I got talking to. The best point that you guys brought up before was that how do we keep open communication and talk? Yes. And it's okay if you have a bad day, you know, or you're yelling or you're... Or not yelling, but, you know, you have a rough moment or you're short one moment because you have so much stress on you and... And I think that we are, we have to teach the young kids coming up to navigate the world. Mm-hmm. And the world is not an easy place. No. And the film industry is a is a tough industry. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a pressure cooker. You know, yeah. when you get that many cooker. people together, a lot of different egos, a lot of different um, sometimes right. competing interests. You know, right. um, even creatively, it, it, not necessarily competing, but sometimes you know people don't see eye to eye and people have different ideas right. you know and you got to try and Compromise. figure it out yeah yeah and that, that was the one thing that i really like learned on con air like i would excite me about the industry was like how can this many people come together to create one vision like it kind of blew my mind and it was each had its place and its peace yeah. and it really excited i was excited by that because I was used to, okay, you're painting a painting in one room. Yeah. Right. You know, this is different. You know, it's almost yeah. like a painting, but it's like you need, it's teamwork. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I find in the film industry, it's teamwork. Because it you is. need, you need the AD department, you need the costume department, you need the hair and makeup, you need the grips, you need the electrics. Because not every department, every department is specialized. Mm-hmm. But they all understand that the other departments have to integrate together to make this project you know right right and ultimately for me I recognize that at the end of the day an actor or a director may decide a different direction of that and I have to respect and I always say to myself and I don't know if I told you that it's like no matter how it gets there it's going to be the right thing right so it's the only way to detach from maybe that personal hurt that may happen like I really believe that direction or this but maybe that other direction is the best direction and maybe there's something that I could add to that thought that gives it something else and uh, and trusting that 
journey because there are there are in any creative endeavor that is including my own there are egos and there has to be because that would make you rise to the top you have to have some ego involved in it but not to the detriment again of a whole right yeah of the job getting the job done yeah getting the job done having it look good but you know, there's a perfect example of a designer, um, Ann Roth, who's an old-time designer, and she's been around forever. She's in her 80s now, but she comes out of the old-school way of thought, and she did uh, Drugstore Cowboys. Oh, wow. Wow. Right? And it was written that the love scene, she's going to be naked in bed. The, I forgot the actress, whatever. At the 11th hour, the hmm. actress decides, I'm not going to be naked. I'm not going to be naked. It's like, oh my God, like suddenly everyone's scrambling and Anne was like, what the hell? And she went through the stacks looking and she found a fur coat. <laughs> Threw the fur coat on her at the 11th hour. And that, and it looked amazing. Right. The whole thing looked amazing. So it's like in those moments of inconvenience, like, listen, we've been talking for weeks about <laughs> yeah. this. It's been in the script forever. Now at the 11th hour, you decide we're not going to do it that way. And, and of course, and it, but yet it made the scene. It, yeah. It, and so it's again trusting the journey sometimes. I, I love, uh, I just love the line. It's going to be great. You know, don't worry about it. I mean, <laughs> right. It's not to yeah. say don't worry about it. It's like we do need to worry about it, but you know, but yeah, but that's going to be great. It's going to be great. And that, yeah, you, you guys do that all the time. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, they think it's going to be great. I have to go back and figure it out. <laughs> it's going to be great. Right, whatever, whatever you figure out, it's, it's <laughs> going to be great. <laughs> yeah, we're panicking on our end. Like, I have to come up with, you know, I think one project I worked for, um, I did decided he wanted to bring in some, you know, ladies of the night that are on film in like an hour, or two hours, and I have to pull it all all out of the trailer. I'm like, do we have okay. a fur coat? Do we have a fur coat? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, we have a fur coat. I'm like, Trey, you know, he's such a particular guy. I was like, okay, well, here we go. We'll figure it out because we have nothing else to do. It's gonna be good. I only have, you know, five fittings today. Sure, let's just throw in 11 more. How many you have, you're dreaming up that we'll barely see on camera. But yeah, we'll make sure. And and also, it's part of my my own pressure. I'm fact, like, they all have to look good. Yeah. Because why else do it? Like, that's the fun part. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly. Why just yeah. why do it half-ass? And even when, like, we're going back to crews and puking with people, like, I just find that the best crew member is the one that is passionate about what they do and then knows where to find the answer if they don't know it because you can't know it all. We do different projects all the time. We work with different people, different directors, different towns, different scripts. And so the ones that I like to surround myself, at least in my department, if I can have it, is the ones that are passionate about what they do, work hard, and know they don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know they don't know all the answers right. and then know who to ask and where to get it. Yeah. yeah. The one thing that I that I always, whenever I interview, I always tell them, look, if you mess up, just own up to it. Yeah. I've been there. I've, yeah. I've been that guy and I've had to come back and say, whoa, I just messed this up. I'm sorry. And I know it's scary. Because I, mean, I, I remember when, the, the one time that I didn't own up to it, and you didn't? I didn't. And the first called me and I 
I was trying to get it done. They were asking for, I hadn't called this camera operator, and they were like, hey, where's the camera operator? And I was like, I did, of all the people, I didn't call this guy. And so now I'm calling them, but camera department had already been calling them. Mm. So the first was like, hey, where's such and such? And I'm like, stand by. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't lie, but I didn't tell him I didn't call him. Yeah. So in, in retrospect, I did lie. Yeah. And he came to me and was like, look, man, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. You know, don't try to cover it up. Just let me know. So then when people above me come to me and ask me these questions I don't sit there with egg on my face or if you already let me know then we can work it out because maybe I've done this yeah and we can work this out as a team and I was like okay it'll never happen again and I just if something happens you own up to it let's get we can talk about that later but we need to figure out how to fix it right now yeah Everything's a challenge on a film set. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it, you know? You're right. You, you, sometimes it runs, runs smooth and other times it's like, oh my God, yeah. really? Yeah. How did that happen? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> so yep. the clothes that we ordered to be here in time was said to be here in time is not here now. now right. So what do we do? So say for example, I, I'll give you an example. We're shooting, we're on set, and all of a sudden we need something and you're not there. Do you, does your department, like your supervisor call you? Yeah, or? I mean, they can call me or um, the assistant designer may know what's going on mm-hmm. or a decision needs to be made and they make the decision. I mean, there's there's a couple of things that I say. Is one is you have to try to get a hold of me. All and right. if I'm not available, um, then that's okay. If if you don't get a hold of me and make a decision, and I hate the decision, then I get mad. Right. Because it's like, but if you try and you can't, and you make a decision, then I have to go with your decision. Right. Um, I try to, if things change on set, I try to keep stuff on set I like. It's important to, to the department. I mean, the one thing with the new phones now, these cell phones and texting, generally speaking, you can get a hold of a designer or somebody get an answer pretty quick right. for stuff. And if you can't, then you can't. And then you make a decision accordingly. I get upset if they don't call. Like if they call at four in the morning and I don't pick up because I'm asleep, well... Yeah, there's nothing you can do. No, I have to trust that I've hired the right team to fix it. Right. Um, in some ways, I think I need to let go more. I think that comes out of... I actually like the creative part of it. <laughs> I like when things change sometimes too because then I like... Okay, now I got to figure it out, and it's part of my makeup. I like. That's why I've, I'm good at the last-minute stuff. I'm just because it becomes very intuitive, and I like that intuitive. Sometimes you think too much, you lose that intuitive sense. Right. Yeah, but when you're forced into it, you're like, okay, this one. Right. You know, <laughs> not not too much thought involved with it, or this is where we can get it, or this is how we're gonna do it. What do you love about your job and what do you hate about your job? Um, well, I love designing. I love designing characters. I love the way it tells a story and a bigger story. Um, I didn't think I would as much because I came out of fashion because fashion's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's what's the difference between... Fa- I, see, yeah, that, that's fa- why I, I don't yeah, fashion is more of, of you're selling a brand. You're selling a, a look or 
like Marc Jacobs designs for a customer. So mm -hmm. I guess that's what you are a customer. Your customer has to be broad. And and so fashion is about creating something new and different, but you're not designing specifically to a character in a story. Ah, okay. And costume design is, is that you, you have to really think about who this character is in the story and what their story is. And in reading the script, talking to a director, you'll get a sense, and an actor, who is this backstory, who is this person, and why would they do certain things and wear certain things. And, and then I also have to think about how it sits in visually in a space, especially if we have a very visual story. And I, I, painting helps me a lot with color and texture and all, and it has to fit <laughs> or not. I have to think of body types. There's a lot of things that go into it, and it has to work within a budget on top of it all. <laughs> right. You know? Do you like working on contemporary like shows mm -hmm. versus period shows? And what periods do you like to um, do? I've done both. I've done more contemporary, I have to say. Contemporary is really hard. In the really? set, Yeah, because everyone gets dressed in the morning. Different. It's very different. So you're yeah. trying to create something that's new or fresh or to a character. Mm. Sometimes it's fashion-y, sometimes it's not. You know, period-wise, I mean, you're, you're, you're taking something that's established already. And you can't, I have a saying, you can't ever escape the time you're in, no matter what. You're, the clothes that we make for period are going to, the body types are different, the actors, the way the clothes fit, how they're constructed when you're making period clothes are going to be different than a true period unless gotcha. you can get period clothing to put on. Mm -hmm. I mean all periods are interesting. Mm -hmm. I find them interesting. I don't wouldn't say I wish I could say there's one thing I like more than another, but I don't. I think I like them all. In the sense I find them all challenging in different ways and yeah. I like the challenge of that, of designing. I think it's fun. It, it also interested me to step into someone else's world, I guess. That's what interests me. Uh, and then put it into costumes that, for a character. Like, that excites me, the fact that I didn't come from those worlds, but I get to peek in there and help create this world. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's any movie that I really got caught my eye early on was um, Orlando, mm. which was... Sally Pot Potter, and I've heard her speak, and that was uh, Sammy Powell just decided they had absolutely no money to do that project. Wow. Zero. But the way visually, the way the fabrics move, the way they move through, like the story moving through time to find love, you know, it was like, it was very spiritual too, and very zen, but it was just, and also very artistic. Yeah. It had a lot of elements that excited me in that project. But that, you know, when I saw that, it was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, I always loved that movie. That was it's a great movie. I, I told you as I saw that at the Avon Theater the during pre RISD pre college. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's been and, around forever. And, and it blew me away. I mean, and I think I, I saw it when it came out. Um, was it was it Tilda Swinton? Tilda Swinton, who's a, an artist, artist in her own right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, she was this, she plays Orlando. It's a um, Virginia Woolf story. Um, well. And, yeah, that was. Be I saw that before I ever even thought yeah, that I was gonna get yeah. into this industry. But you know, and that definitely even even at that time kind of 
struck me as a, a just a great movie. It was a great movie. It all it, everything worked in that movie. Everything worked. There was not a a jarring of any of it. And maybe that's it, the seamlessness of a story. The costumes, the actors, all of it. And it was different and and um, and the fact that actually the costume designer, I know the story, Sandy Powell called her Sally and said she wanted to do it. Wow. <laughs> Versus Sally looking for her and saying, no, I want to do it. <laughs> I want to do this. Because it was one of those things. It was just uh, a good story and the director had vision. And I feel that way about my other project too, Leslie. It was one of those stories that seamlessly worked. There's not a moment that I felt that that story did not work. Where'd you go, it was. Where'd you go shoot that? Here. We Here. were supposed to do Texas, but because of COVID and everything, we didn't go. We did uh, it all here. Yeah. So you guys, did, you did shoot it in 2020? Yeah. It was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. still, it's like, you now know. Now we're in another strike, so we'll go back to work. <laughs> another shutdown. I'm ready to go back to work. Shed yeah, too. yeah, but that was one of those things. And even that director, I emailed him, Michael, and I, you know, I'm friends with Michael, I said, I'm ruined now. Ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined me because it was very old school. It was very much me and a director and an actor. That's it. Nobody else let me. That's cool. Yeah, and those are rare. And it was a great script. It was a seamless project. And, and that's credit to Michael putting the right team. And that's where the right team plays into it. Yeah. He put together the right team. And he didn't take, it wasn't about your resume as much. I mean, it helped to have a resume too, but it was about who's going to fit the puzzle. Because the puzzle is really the end result here. Exactly. He didn't think it would do as well as it did. He always says that. But he did. But anything else? Yeah. But oh, what the worst? You, yeah, what's the worst thing you hate about your child? I think it's true for all of us. Our preps are not long enough. You know, it's like prep is so important to set up to start it right. right? And you know this to be true. And I yeah. always say if it starts off wrong, we're never going to get it right. No. It's just we're always going to be in this hell <laughs> right um, or they give you just enough time where you can get going but you're constantly playing catch up exactly you're constantly playing catch up but it's become almost unmanageable the time frames you, you hear stories where period films only have three weeks before they start i'm like how can that happen and you have to build stuff and and it, somehow it happens but it's the then it becomes 16 hours because if you, there's another saying I say, if you care about your job, it's going to be harder. I have all these little one-liners for myself, like, if you care about it, it's always going to be a little harder. Right. You know, because you want to show up 110% because that's just who you are as an individual. Right, In right. the work you do, you actually care about what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also going to translate on film. Yeah. Whether you think it does or doesn't, it always translates. But yeah, the prep time, that's what I hate. But I think it's true of every department. Yeah. I think that's just what's happened in the industry. We're not given enough time. And and I don't know if that's going to change. Mm. I'd like to see a change. Because yeah. it also makes for an unhealthy environment. An yeah. unhealthy work right. environment for us. And that brings us back to... How does it affect your home life? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. And there's your answer. No, no, I, 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 I've, home life. <laughs> I've, I've thought about it too. You know, the, the, like you said, the health aspect of it and, and trying to incorporate 
not only um, sort of mental health mm. in the sense that you know if you're not feeling good mentally or what I've tried to like say this to others and say this to myself it's like sometimes you need a mental health day you need to take a sick day because if you can afford it you know and, and, and if the production can afford it you know mm -hmm. it's like look hey we got we got a light one I just can't right and and give yourself that break take that knee every once in a while so that you can kind of get through the next three four weeks you right. know but also in the sense that if you're creating an unhealthy work environment where the stress level is just so high people uh, can't work at 100 percent across yeah. the board right? yeah no one can yeah. and it's uh, for me personally i try to take one day one day at least that sunday before the monday where i don't answer the phone i don't deal i mean maybe i'll look at it for one hour at the end of the day in case there's an emergency because right. sometimes there is right. but i try not to or do it saturday then do it sunday instead of monday and I also, like when I used to shop in New York a lot for a show I did in Atlanta, in my assistance in New York, it's like, okay, we're going to walk through Central Park to get to the other side for shopping. But it'll be faster. I don't know. We're going to walk through Central Park. We're going to, lunch today is we're going to grab lunch and we're going to the Met for two hours. Yeah, but we have all, it's all going to get done. We're going to spend two hours in the Met and we're going to let the creative juices flow because that's going to make us better and faster shopping. And even here, like, because I live on the west side, I'll go to, um, there's a place over there that has Wi-Fi on the ocean up above and I make my PA meet me there or my assistant. We're going to work from watching the ocean. Wow. But yeah, but no, yeah. we're going to start the day there, set the day up. Then we're gonna go in. Everyone else has got what they're supposed to do, and we're gonna do that. And I and I want that for everyone. I had a shopper in Atlanta, and she was a gifted shopper, but she was also she had a disease, a Lyme disease. Mm. But but she was really good. So don't come. Don't spend an hour and a half driving to me every single day. Mm -hmm. And she'd go and work out for health, and she'd shop her ass off, and she'd find the best stuff because I allowed her to have a little life in between to take care of herself. And I think that's something we all need to figure out how to consider, as long as they don't take advantage of the situation. Because <laughs> yeah. that can happen too. Yeah, yeah. Most definitely. And so then you have to know when to say no, no more, right. or no, we can do it that way. And there comes a full circle back to putting the right team together. Right team. I, I love that story. I, I'm, I think I might just join the costume department. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Nancy, where are we gonna be? <laughs> going out. One one day we took we left early and we got dropped a boat in New York City. Nice. A vintage boat and went around Ellis Island. Good. Right on. And um, and the Statue of Liberty, which I'm like, who's to say where you get your creative inspiration? And yeah. you need that in a creative job. And it doesn't mean that we when we get off the boat, we work maybe the next day, which was a day off for an hour or two. But that was okay. That was the trade. No one knew. We, the job got done. It looks great. And we weren't rushing to sex. That was prep. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's finding those balances. And it's getting harder and harder with shorter preps. But again, team helps. Having the right assistant. Having someone on the same page as you. Knowing when we have to kick ass and knowing when we have to take a moment. And like you said, everything is creative. I, I had a gaffer, and one day we were just sitting around, we were talking, like, man, I 
love this business. That's what I was saying to him. I love this. <laughs> He's like, you know what, Spoon? He's like, let me tell you. This business is for creative folks. <laughs> I was like, why do you say that? He was like, because we all have, we're all a little kooky. We all just don't fit into what mainstream, like, you know, corporate world. Right. And you we're mean, creative. You mean cre- fuck-ups who are creative, creative. not creative <laughs> fuck-ups. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what he said, so I'm going to go. But I, and, and, I, and I understood. It's like, yeah. You know, you're right. That's it. Yeah. And we don't, it's not, again... The chaos is not a fuck up. It's part of the journey. Yeah. It's part of the journey of what we do that makes it fun and exciting. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, you have a call sheet and everything's planned out. <laughs> guess what? We're gonna do this now. Right. Yeah. yeah right. We're gonna do this. Or yeah, this suddenly, would it be great? One more take. Right. Or wouldn't. Yeah. Would it be cool if we did? But that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Is that part of it? Because yeah. if it's goes by the book then it becomes boring it becomes it becomes gross. yeah it becomes go- and once again not to say that if that's what you like going into your job every day doing your eight hours and going home right it's not a problem every everybody can't do what we do right. and we can't do what everyone else does but i think for me it is i know every day that i come in it's going to be different mm-hmm. doesn't matter if i got to come to the same stage doesn't matter I'm parking in the same parking lot. Doesn't matter. I know once we get started, that day is going to be much different than the day before mm-hmm. and the day after. And I love that about it. Yeah, that's the good news. Yeah. My dad's a golf pro, or was mm-hmm. a golf pro, and so he loves golf more than anything in the world. And the reason why he loved golf is every shot, every course, every day or the clubs you use every time it was different yet you were playing against someone but you really were playing with yourself yes and that's kind of what the film industry is now i just realized the analogy because i grew up with golf and that's kind of what the film industry is like every day every shot every hour every moment you it's different and yeah. and that's what's exciting about what we do hopefully we'll get to do it Again, soon, soon. <laughs> That's really the most. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah. Well, Nancy, thanks for coming out. Yeah, well, on, thank you. On. Oh wait, did we forget? Something? Is there another one? Yes. <laughs> All right, I'd like you to call it. Oh yeah. yes, you, you get call to call it. it. Call what? The day. The day. What do you mean? What happens at the end of the day when we all get to go home? What do they say? What what what, is, what do we say? What, what is our what, what do we what? say? No, well, we say that. What, what, what at the end of the day? No. Oh yeah, it's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap, not a wrap that covers you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and you're going out at night. Right. But a wrap is <laughs> Exactly. Not, God, not have a... I forgotten that? Oh, yeah. it's time to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I'm gonna forget that. Thanks you're for welcome. coming very much. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thank Appreciate you. It. You guys are great. Yeah. So that was Nancy Cheo. Cheo. Thanks a lot for coming out, Nancy. I really enjoyed talking to my fellow RISD alumni. Yeah, I very much enjoyed the conversation also. She's um, one of the coolest people I've ever met. Yeah, I, I never really get to hear from folks talk about what their creative 
uh, involvement is and collaboration is with the the cast and with the director. The, yeah. It, and, you know, with the clothes that she puts on these people to make, you know, for the lighting, for the DP, um, with the production designer to go with the decorum. Yeah. I, I was just amazed. And, you know, even though I've been doing this for a while, I never really sat down and talked to a costume designer about how she or he looks at a script and builds, uh, you know, clothes for that character. Yeah, how they actually do their craft. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, we don't get to have those conversations and get to learn more about how other people do their jobs because most of the time we're on set and we're, <laughs> we're just doing it. We got to right. keep it moving. Right. So it's great to have an opportunity to talk with Nancy as we did today yeah. and get to know more about what's going on behind the scenes. Yes, very much so. J.O. So next week we have Manny Padilla, uh, locations manager. And uh, Manny has done some huge, huge movies. Um, he's worked with Michael Bay. Uh, he's worked with Chris Nolan. And he's also worked with J.J. Abrams. Right on. Yeah. So that'll be next week. Yep. Manny Padilla. Manny Padilla. If you like the show, hit the subscribe button and follow us. I'm BC. I'm Spoon. We'll be back next week. See you on the next one.